Hello, my friends. How are you this evening? I'm not quite certain how I am, other than perhaps better. Better than when the heavy rains came last week, anyhow. The sun has been out. The sun has been warm. And I feel life creeping back. Perhaps even a little mischief again, which is nice. I like when I can work just a little bit of well-meaning mischief. Don't you? Only when I have it in me. And this week, I thought I did. Which is why I asked my tarot cards if they have a little secret for us tonight. Just a little secret. Any kind of secret. The Five of Pentacles, they answered. Ah, well, there. I don't know about this. We saw it reversed a few weeks back when I told you a story about a hungry vampire at a banquet. Reversed, it is better. For upright, it means loss. Scarcity, worry, hardship, being left out, alone and helpless, in the dark, cold night, as it were. But it is also a cue to ask for help when you need it, and to believe that you have the power to find abundance again. I choose to believe that this card, as I choose to believe of all the cards, is more about your inner thoughts and feelings than it is a prediction or a foreboding omen of any kind. These are just cards. They do not control my future or yours. They can merely offer you some insight into yourself and your circumstances. Maybe some things that you might have missed, for we get trapped in our own minds and miseries so very easily. So perhaps this card means more a kind of scarcity of thought, a recurring belief that you do not have enough, that you are not enough, that you are constantly losing and struggling. Tell yourself that too many times, and indeed, it will surely come true. So mind what you tell your own delicate heart. The Five of Pentacles is the secret the cards had for us. What is the secret? Perhaps we shall find it in a story. I'm no good with secrets. I'm good with stories, though. Once upon a time, a large banquet was held in a regal hall. I know, I know, another banquet for the Five of Coins. But I think this must be the case, don't you? It was a victory feast. For you see, the warriors in town had just killed a bear. Not just any bear. No, but the massive bear that had plagued their hills for decades and decades. No one knew how old it was, but there were old men who remembered seeing it in their youth, who were almost a hundred years old now. And so the bear was feared for being a monster 
Something immortal. Something made of dark magic. Something possessed by a demon, no doubt. Men from the village had tried for so long to accomplish the impossible and destroy the great bear, but they never returned home. Though the bear grew old and tired and injured and scarred, it remained victorious. And as long as it survived, it stalked the town. It wandered the streets at night. It guarded the water source. It hunted their game in the forest. It would not be deterred by the presence of people, their buildings, or their weapons. It remained victorious. Until this day. This day, when two dozen warriors, the strongest in the land, came together to catch the creature in its lair unawares. I do not wish to describe what they did to it. Though they lost a handful of fighters in the process, let us simply say that they returned home with the largest bearskin anyone had ever seen. And the monster's heart? Burn it, said the king. And in the great hall, with rows on rows of tables full of food and barrels full of ale, everyone raised a mug in joyful song as they celebrated their safety and their victory tonight. They did not notice the smoke that rose from the burning heart turn red and rise up and up through the vent in the ceiling. And on the wind, a great groan that no one heard. And somewhere, far away but not too far away, a woman opened her eyes and had no idea where she was. But she could hear cheering and singing from the distance, and she could smell smoke and cooked meat, and she saw the orange glow of warm fires, and she headed towards it. Meanwhile, the men regaled each other of their own bravery in combat today. They had surprised the bear, sure, but once awake it had been a mighty foe. How red its eyes, how large its teeth, how sharp its claws. A jester sang its might and danced a joyful jig underneath the skin of the beast, which was hung up at the front of the hall for all to see. And the soldiers, still in their leather armor and helmets, some of them, stomped their feet and slammed their ale down on the wooden tables, the horrors of the day slowly subsiding, their fear being put to rest, and their grief being ignored, for tonight only, perhaps. Just for tonight. They pounded their fists so loudly against the tables that they almost didn't hear the very loud knocking at the huge wooden doors. Answer it, the king bellowed absently and a bumbling, laughing young girl stumbled to the door and did it. She stopped laughing when she saw, standing there, a woman. Ah, indeed, the woman I mentioned before. 
the one who didn't know who she was or where she came from, the one who followed the sounds and sights and smells, here. She was shivering, for though it was summer, the night was cold, and she wore nothing but her long, dark gray hair about her as a cloak. The girl who answered the door caught the woman in her arms as she swooned, and helped her to a seat. Several of the guests crowded around her, concerned. A blanket was brought to her, and soon after that a gown and a cloak and some warm shoes. They gave her water and food, and sat her by the fire. Were you robbed? she was asked, but she shook her head. Were you attacked? she was asked, but she shook her head. Are you injured? she was asked, but she shook her head. Finally, someone asked her, Where have you come from? And this gave her pause. Here, I think. She finally answered. The townspeople were most confused by this. It was a small village. Everyone knew who everyone was, but no one had ever seen the strange woman in their life. With her strange gray and silver hair, she seemed perhaps quite old, but her face was relatively soft and smooth, and so she seemed quite young, too. But she was also very tall and broad and strong of build. Apart from her hunger and exhaustion, she seemed to be perfectly healthy. Could it be that she had survived all of these years in the forest, in the hills, on her own? No, she answered. I came from here, and so I've returned. She had come here with literally nothing. No clothes, no shoes, no weapon— let alone money to spend or goods to trade. The people looked among each other, skeptical of the stranger suddenly, now, as she stood, stretched, and looked around. Now that she was safe, the celebrating warriors had resumed their pleasant chatter, their cheering, their games. The jester had continued his song and dance, and the woman walked down the aisles of tables and chairs towards him, towards the king's seat, where the bearskin was mounted. She reached across a table to grab a rare leg of mutton as she did, not even glancing at whose plate she was taking it from, though its owner called out in annoyance. She didn't even notice as she took a bite of it, listening to the jester's words watching him pantomime the battle between the warriors and the bear. She stood right at the foot of the little platform he danced across. He was the only thing that stood between her and the king and queen, though they were flanked by soldiers on either side. Not that it mattered. She wouldn't attack them. But she looked them each in the eye as she sat on a wooden bench, not minding the men roughhousing beside her. The jester sang one last chorus, detailing how the great beast fell. The creature that had stalked the land for hundreds of years. The invincible, the terrible, 
the unparalleled beast. And the entire crowd erupted into cheer, rising from their seats and raising their cups. The woman, however, stayed seated. You see, there was a great bear that haunted our hills, the man sitting next to the strained woman said quietly. Ancient and powerful this thing was, cursed most likely, perhaps an old god from the time before. But now, he is gone, he said, smiling at the woman. She smiled back. She, the woman corrected him. And she stood. She took the jester's place on the makeshift stage, but turned to face the king and queen. No, not them, but up. Up, up, up to where the bare skin grinned down at her. And she grinned back up at it. And she began to sway from side to side, to an invisible music that it seemed only she could hear until everyone else heard it too, somehow. It came from the fire, maybe from the ashes of the burning heart. Who could tell? The rules for this sort of thing were so difficult to understand, especially for someone like her, someone who relied on instinct, on the feeling in her belly, on the hairs in the back of her neck. I should have stayed away, she whispered. I don't know why my feet always bring me back to this place. Perhaps it's all I know, she said, and reached up to touch the bear's snout with the tips of her fingers. I should have stayed away. She repeated those words under her breath as tears fell down from her eyes. Who are you, stranger? The king asked gently. But his queen promptly hushed him, for she wanted to hear the woman's song. Everyone did. The great hall fell silent as the woman stood in front of the fire and began to sing. My tale is not a new one. My story isn't rare But my heart is empty, dark and cold My heart's no longer there Do not stay where the deer don't play They know the ground is dead do not pray where the sky is gray, it sees the ground is dead. Beware the town square, beware the churchyard, beware the streets where the people dwell without a care. Beware the tavern, beware the clock tower. Beware the borders most of all, beware the forest.
And everyone wept now, tears that were bitter and ashamed. As the woman stood under the bare skin, how beautiful she seemed, how ancient and unusual and powerful and vicious and sad, sad as anything. And as the woman remembered who she really was, her eyes burned red and she bared her teeth and let out a great roar. This was she, the bear, the she-bear, she who had been cursed long ago, or was it blessed, or was it both, with strength and immortality, or perhaps simply very, very long life. Very, very long life that did not need the same body. But looking at her old skin, the one she no longer haunted, she did want it back anyway. And so she grabbed her skin and wrapped it around herself, wearing two of her heads, the bear resting above her new face. And she walked through the hall. She may have lost everything. Her body, her strength, her power, her home. But she had her soul right here. And that was all she needed. Though she was happy to have her skin back, too. Scarred though it was. Without glancing at anyone, she left the place. She even grabbed an apple on the way out. She slammed the great doors shut. And the people remained silent as they heard her song outside of the cold, dark hall. As she walked away from them. 
She knew better than to come back here. She had known better all these years. But she didn't think she could ever have been so defeated as to become the Five of Pentacles. I came across her on my travels. At first, I thought it was a bear, for she was so tall and large and she wore her skin so well. But I saw her face and realized that I was correct. She was not actually a human in bear's skin. She was a bear in human skin. What lies ahead in that direction? I asked her, seeing the same hall she found herself in all those years ago, when her new body was being drawn towards it by her old one. The woman clenched her jaw as her eyes filled with tears. Nothing. Nothing for those like us, she said, for she had observed my yellow eyes and my ghoulish features, though I'm not entirely sure what I looked like back then, I must admit. Nothing? I asked. The great she-bear pulled her hood from her face, so I only looked into her human eyes, and she placed her hands on my shoulders. Seeing her own strangeness reflected in my eyes, and perhaps even that little whisper of mischief that made her keep returning to that town, just as it draws me to places where perhaps I should not always go, she gave me a warning. Beware that place, my sister. Beware of it, or you'll lose everything. I was not deterred. And if I lose everything, I shouted after her as she walked away. She grinned. Then meet me in the forest someday. Better for us there. And she replaced her hood and walked, indeed, as she said, towards the thickest part of the forest. And I went to town for a time. I tried it. Somewhere, somehow, there's a me that is still trying it. Still trying to make a life that can thrive in a place of endless grey and dead ground. A place where deer and birds and bears dare not go. But then, there's the part of me that will always be here. Instead, she had a very, very long life, our she-bear, but she did die eventually one day. But her spirit was strong, and her curse was persistent, and her blessing was resilient, and so she haunts me here sometimes. But she is a bear once more, the ghost of a bear, wandering between the trees playing in the stream. Safe, but not home. Here, with me. My friend. If you see her, do not be afraid. She's no longer angry. She's no longer hungry or frightened, either. 
When she was killed and had her skin and heart taken, sure she was all of those things. She was the Five of Pentacles, alone, discarded, and lost. But maybe the secret that this card is trying to tell me is... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, my friends. I'm doing my best, but I don't know everything. If I learn a secret that I feel is worth imparting, you'll be the first to know. But I think I first have to let this one wash over me a little bit more. Cards surface, stories come, and sometimes I must simply accept that that's all it is. This was my card. This was my story. Thank you for listening to it. Thank you for staying with me. Good night, my friends. everybody, and thank you so much for listening to episode 148 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your host, podcaster, performer, composer, writer, etc. behind the show, Kristen Zaza. I hope you're doing well this week and taking care of yourselves, checking on those you love, being there for each other, and listening to what you need, too. I'm trying my best to do all that, too. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported me through Patreon.com. I really appreciate it, and I'm so grateful for your help. If you're interested in supporting the show, Patreon is a great way to do it. By donating as little as $1 a month or more, you can have access to my ever-growing soundtrack for On a Dark Cold Night. Learn more about how to do this at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, if you want to support the show in a one-time donation only without the bonus of the soundtrack, you can do so by buying me one or more metaphorical coffees at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And we've got t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night if you'd like to check those out as well. Another great way to help support the show that's entirely free is to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, or on our Facebook page, or wherever else you like to review podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and my Facebook and YouTube pages are just called on a dark cold night. Thank you again for listening tonight. A simple story for a sad song that I had rumbling around in my brain this week. I appreciate you being here. I hope you're not going through the five of pentacles, but if you are, know that this card will pass. Take care of yourself, ask for help, and take a deep breath. There. See? Good night, my dear friends. Thank you. Sweet dreams.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.